Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Conversations and Cultures. Our first guest today is one of my good friends, Sean Cheng. In the first half, we discuss her 2013, so there will be spoilers. I want to include a disclaimer that the opinions expressed are just ours and do not represent any organizations. There will be some coarse language and discussions regarding sexual themes in the episode. And on that, I just want to clarify that when I talk about sexual openness in relationships, I'm referring to strictly consensual arrangements. I'm not advocating for cheating. I apologize for the sound quality and for calling Rooney Mara's character in her Carolyn. It's actually Catherine. Whoops. Anyway, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Enjoy. Hey everyone, it's it's me, your host, Apoorv Jaiswal, and today's guest is Sean Cheng. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey everyone, my name is Sean, I'm a film student at the Australian Film Television Radio School, and very good friends with Apoorv. We were both in the same year, so yeah. Oh my god, I go to that school as well. Really? What? That's insane. That's crazy. Never knew that. Damn. Only knew that just, just now. Shit. So yeah. what do you... What do you what do you want to do in the school? Huh? You want to make films or something? Are you one of those nerds? I was actually thinking of going into accounting at the film school. You know what I mean? You know, not even thinking of doing any film. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think you're gonna take that subject until like third year, probably. Damn. Yeah. So what are you gonna do till then? Probably just get drunk every night with my afters friends. That's a good plan. Afters, by the way, to anyone he doesn't know, is an acronym for the film school that we go to. Yeah. Yeah. A F T R S afters. It it speaks for itself. It really does speak for itself. It's the it's what the cool kids do. We we have our own lingo. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's like U T S or U N S W, right? Uts. Or usage. Unswit. Anyways, man, glad to be here. Really excited. Yeah. Nice. Talking about film. It's gonna be great. Nice. All right. Let's get into it. Why aren't you gonna watch her again? No. Here's the thing, right? With her, it was an incredibly beautiful movie. It talked about a lot of topics that I'm very interested in, like loneliness and relationships and what the future holds for us as humans. But I can't bring myself to look at that film again. Because here's the thing. Being in a relationship with AI could be something that we see in the very not-too-distant future, correct? What does that mean for most people? Human connection will eradicate slowly because of that. Because there's some genuine people who are very scared socially and would not take a risk to like you know have that human connection i don't want to get myself influenced by that to be honest oh i mean that's not what happened in the film though like it's not like he stopped having human friends you know well he started developing feelings for samantha correct and they got into a relationship yeah and then his ex-wife Mm-hmm. was very angry at him and he was trying to justify about having an AI relationship so I think he was he was getting somewhere with that if the film continued to have him date Samantha and nothing happened then he would have continued for a very very long time see I thought the point of the film was that he can't continue to date Samantha because Samantha isn't a human 
Like she, right. at the end of the film, she right. evolves beyond human. I saw it differently. I saw her as a film that delves into what can technology do to fix human loneliness. There was definitely a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, because here's the thing, personally, right? Dealing with loneliness has been something that I've been struggling with a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have a lot of good friends. Yeah. That's like no doubt about that. I'm definitely yeah, not lonely, yeah. but especially when you don't have siblings. Yeah. And sometimes there'll be extended periods of time. Because you're an extrovert. Extroverts love people. They love towards mm-hmm. people, right? All the time. That's where they get the energy from. Yeah. So when watching that film by myself, made me cry. Really. Oh, yeah. Made yeah. me cry because like I was thinking, fuck me, man. Imagine if I was lonely. And that's why depending on AI to kind of like fill in those gaps when I'm not with like humans. That's yeah. a scary future. Yeah. No, that's true. So you found it too confronting? I didn't find it confronting. I definitely like understood the film, but actually, no, I could say it was confronting for me mm. personally. Because like, I mean, you say it's the future, but I don't know, like you kind of get it these days when it comes to video games. There's so many people that that's true. That's don't necessarily point. have a whole lot of friends or a whole lot of social life. And I'm not saying that, you know, people don't play games with their friends or whatever. Mm-mm. But you do have a lot of people that only play single-player games or only have friends that they've never met in person. But yeah, yeah. they meet online and play video games. Well, with. It's, it's a bit different because with those people, they're generally more introverted. And they, like, don't really mind having less social interaction. Yeah. But it's, like, that weird thing that you're meeting people who you can't see and you don't have to see them again if you choose not to for them that's that's not them being lonely that's just them having a good time that's them ver- that's their version of socializing isn't theodore an introvert though theodore yeah yeah in a way yeah because when you see his life before samantha obviously he was you know in like a post heartbreak depressive slump mm-hmm. or whatever and you get all these voice messages of his friends being like hey we missed the old fun you you know what's where's where's that guy and that guy's clearly gone but i think yeah like it's interesting because i definitely see him as an introvert and he's not someone who has like a wide circle and yeah you know like goes no, out a lot I or think whatever he is a bit of an introvert. yeah but at the same time like it's different for him as well because he just lives in that world like, yeah. apart from his wife, everyone else is, like, really accepting of the fact that he's dating an AI. That's a good point, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I wonder to what extent that was the decision of the director or writer or whoever that we want it to work thematically. That the one person who decided not to be in his life is now judging him mm. for, essentially... The person he's now dating. Mm. Right? I don't know. Like, it's... On the one hand, nothing can really replace, like, human interaction. No. But I wonder, is it... But can it? That's the question That's the, the, that's the question that the film was asking you, though. Yeah. Can it replace it? Because when that girl came over to replace Samantha's non-existent physical form with someone who's physical... Oh, spoilers, by the way. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, that's a... She's only a prostitute. She's no. like... What was she? What was she in? Let's have a discussion about that. Who was that girl? Was it someone that she was also talking to? 
because okay, so the main objective for that girl to come over is to have to make the man to make Theodore feel like Samantha's presence physical, right? Yeah. Who was that girl talking to to get to that stage? Wasn't she talking to Samantha? Yeah. Because wasn't because like she was all like you know, I I loved hearing about your relationship and I really wanted to be a part of it. Mm. So I assume that's what she was. Yeah. Because that is again interesting that like it was interesting. That was probably the most thought provoking part because that's when like that's the first time that Samantha ever got more physical because up to that moment it's mostly just talk, right? All yeah. The emotional connection, but yeah. Now I, to me that was like it it was weird at the mm-hmm. beginning. I was just like this is this is fucked, man. Sorry, course language <laughs> alert. There's going to be a lot a lot of alerts in this podcast. Yeah, a lot of alerts. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was fucked. Mm-hmm. But gradually, like there was a weird part of my head that was thinking, "What happens if this actually was a thing?" Yeah, it was like that curiosity kills the cat. Like, what happens if we actually implement it in society? It just brings up a whole mm. bunch of new questions. I mean, I think obviously it's not like mainstream or whatever, but to an extent, people do like do that now. I think. Yeah. Depending on like what kind of relationship you have. Mm. a lot of people say if they're doing long distance or whatever I think they are okay with like you know someone else meeting their partner's physical needs because at the end of the day mm. like if you have like an emotional connection mm. with your partner and if it's just like the physical aspect that they want to seek elsewhere I think that's fine but what happened in the film was something weird where like She's listening to what, like Samantha, Samantha say, is saying, and she's and like, like replicating that, repeating that, yeah, yeah, and like becoming, like a physical embodiment for Samantha. So, I don't know. I found that like weird. But it just raises so many new questions about humans and requiring that sort of physical and emotional connection. Yeah. How far is too far? Yeah. Is that where the boundary stops? And what happens if we did inverse it? What happens if... Because in Japan, there's a lot of development for, like, robotics in general. And they're really good at that. And especially if sex dolls. And some of these sex dolls are becoming very, very close to, like, real people. Just both in, like, kind of their physical presence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how far is too far? Like, are we... How far are we going to allow any male, female, or non-binary people to... How is it socially acceptable to have sex with like a robot and meet your physical needs there instead of having the actual person there? Yeah. And how it became normalized. This is me just rambling at this point, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's where I get all of my, my weird questions from. I'm, I mean, isn't all life just us rambling until we can't talk anymore? That's true. Anyway, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a good point because. On the one hand, you don't really need much to, like, I don't know, masturbate, right? No, you don't. Like, you don't need this whole friggin' apparatus. It's not expensive. Or... Exactly, exactly. It's not a very expensive journey. Exactly. But at the same time, like, yeah, there's this, all this technology that is being invested in to make it closer and closer to, like, a real person. Mm. And I think that indicates so much about like the disconnect that people feel these days 
where they really want to have sex with a real person, but they're willing to settle for something that's uncanny. Mm. And I don't know. I think I think that's something that's also communicated in her because I think it's a very like smart decision to have it as the near future. Mm. Like it's not like friggin' like Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah. Or like Dune or whatever when like it's you got like friggin' like space travel. Yeah, one hundred percent. Flying yeah. cars, whatever. It's just a simpler world, but people are still complicated. Like relationships are still complicated. Like, Theodore and... I forget her name. His ex, wife. His ex-wife, yeah, I forgot yeah. too. Ca- Caroline? I think so. Yeah. I'm such an up. Um, yeah, their relationship is incredibly complex. Even though they're living in this world in which it's very, you know, easy. Like, you don't even really see them, like, drive cars. No, you don't. Like, they just take lifts to, like, all these different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, you see with them like on a boat, but that's, that might as well be purely recreationally. I think like in a world that's made so much simpler by technology, it asks the question, what if people were simpler as well? Mm. And that's what Samantha was to start with. But then because she is such a complex piece of technology, she advanced to a consciousness the way I see it like, way beyond human limitations of, like, jealousy, communication, the fact that we have to, like, live our lives doing other stuff, like, you know, eating, sleeping, etc., mm. which she doesn't have to. She can talk to, what was it, like, yeah, thought, thousands, like of, thousands people of people once, at the yeah. same time. Because the way we grow is through talking and learning, mm. you know. And because she can do that so much faster and so much more than he can, she moves way beyond just like a regular, mm. classic, romantic, monogamous relationship. I agree. Which is what he wanted. He wanted something simple. He wanted something committed. Yeah. He, he thought he was getting this software which was going to tailor-make this person for him. Mm. But at the end of, I, think, I think at the end of the road, the reason why I wouldn't watch it again is because it's just too depressing for me. Because like... Mm. I can see if that's what if that's what the future holds, and people are participating in it. I don't want it, in my opinion. Like I respect if people want to have relationships with AI. For me personally, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't partake in it. So you don't want to watch it because it makes you want that. Not, not, not that it makes me want it. It just makes me scared that if this is actually what the future holds, mm-hmm. because AI, AI is advancing much quicker than I expected. Right. If that wasn't actually a thing that it created, and I'll be honest, probably will. I don't want to see it. Hmm. It's kind of like kind of ignorance is a bliss. That's kind of like my vibe to it. Hmm. Because yeah. for me, human connection is still so important, and still so real compared to having AI deal with our emotions yeah that it feels that if if society becomes more acquainted to having AI relationships I don't know how it feels about that you know what I mean at the same time however if people are being loved that way and if people are being cared and nurtured and they have someone to talk to and you know hopefully helps them mentally if that's what they're looking for then go ahead I mean I completely respect your decision but for me personally I wouldn't, I wouldn't involve myself in it. Because, mm, yeah, like, 
Oh man, in the movie, like those scenes when he's like so madly in love with her. Oh, they're so beautiful. Like you can tell that he was miserable before, and I, now I know. he's like that, so it, fucking. It gave happy. me mixed feelings because Theodore was a very sad man when yeah. he he divorced with Caroline. Mm. But there's this inch of me that's that's battling me. Number one, like this is my this is like one side saying that. You know, this guy has been fulfilled, in a way, loved for this period of of, 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 of roughness. This AI really helped him, like, being there during his lonely times. At the same time, what happens if people get too reliant on this technology? You, you, and you don't think the film explored that? No, the film did explore that. Like, it, def- it explored... What do you mean, like, on a much larger scale? Yeah, larger scale, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, in the film, what happens is she definitely becomes something more or much different to, like, a person. And at the end of the day, it's his, like, real human friends Yeah. that he has to turn to. Yeah, exactly. But are you, are you asking the question that, like, if it wasn't so much that... If that wasn't... If, if it, it was more that, like, they replaced... Exactly. ...human connection. Yeah. Hmm. Well, not really replaced, but it slowly becomes a new part of our society. But nevertheless, whatever the future holds for us, I guess I'll be willing to to explore through it. But mm. that's the reason why I'll never watch it again. Yeah, because I think that like arrives at like a much bigger question of are the best companions for us beings that are more similar to us, or beings that are something different. But can still care for us. They can kind of wrestle with you, but yeah, yeah. you know, like oh, not not even that, but like I don't know, like how do how do you think like dogs feel about us? You know, that's a good point. Like, what if there was like a much advanced life form or whatever you want to call it that became an integral part of our lives? To what extent would we want to be with them versus yeah. like people that you know are yeah. like flesh and blood like us or? Whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I did like the ending though. Precisely because of like what he goes through. After everything he goes through, he realizes that that he needs to be like essentially he can't be just be codependent. Her taught me a, a very critical lesson that loneliness what well, loneliness is very subjective. Mm-hmm. That someone else's loneliness could be someone else's fulfillment. And especially for me who feels that sense of loneliness sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Told me an important lesson that, like, it's kind of like everyone is lonely in their own sense. Everyone has a bit of that tinge of loneliness to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's at a different level. Mm. That That's what also hit me really hard when I was watching that film where sometimes I feel like Theodore sometimes. Yeah. I feel like Theodore when he's going to bed and he's very quiet at night or... When he's like just strolling through the streets by himself, and mm. he's looking at all these other couples, yeah. you know what I mean? But I think it's a very universal experience. So that that's something that really warmed. It was a bittersweet moment. It was like warming my heart to know that someone like Theodore's feeling feeling the exact same thing as me. At the same time, yeah. It's you know it's still a feeling that I have and I can't take it away from me. That must that's what makes him human. Yeah. I think what happens in the end when he's all like, okay, I've come to terms with the fact that, like, you're dating other people. 
but she just leaves. She's all like, I get that you don't need me as much as you did, mm. but it's more that I don't need you anymore. Mm. And he's just left with like his friends. Mm. I think that was a beautiful ending because like, try as we might, I think at the end of the day, we just have to be mm. okay with whatever happens to us. Mm. Whether it's like loneliness or like loss or, you know, regret or whatever. Mm. I think at the end of the day, like being human yeah. means that you just have to learn to live with it. 100%, yeah. But it was a good film. It was very beautiful. Yeah. The production design was fantastic. Oh, like, so good. It was, it, it was poppy. It was very uh, calculated. And mm. I think that it showed a very futuristic earth but a non but it's a futuristic earth that looks realistic that we I can see yeah. like yeah I can see that happening yeah. because a lot of the problems of a lot of sci-fi films sometimes is that they try push the boundaries of what the future can look like and sometimes it just looks very fictitious and very fake mm-hmm. because the design of the whole city is very impractical yeah and like so, people have like cybernetic implants in exactly them. and I don't think everyone's going to be acceptable to that to be honest like people yeah. will hardly Wanting to have the COVID nineteen vaccine, like yeah. you would think that you would have like a bionic chip in your brain. You know what <laughs> I mean, like I, I, I definitely, I would definitely wouldn't be happy with that. But mm. um, but yeah, what what her did within this production design is showed a future that looks realistic. Like you know the computers, it mm. looks like Apple's like computers. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. monitor, it looked exactly like the new Apple monitor. The that new Max, have. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that was like. But it was in wood. That was so interesting. I know, yeah. Yeah. And there were, like, no keyboards, nothing. No, no, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, but slowly and slowly, we were removing cables within computers, and the exact same thing at her. So Mm. props to to the production designer of that film. He did a fantastic job. Or she, I actually don't know who the production designer is on that project. I should find out. But, um, yeah. It just fit, everything just fit together really well. What do you think of the soundtrack? The soundtrack was pretty good. Good, right? The soundtrack was amazing. That, like, for me, like, that makes or breaks a film. Oh, 100%. Like, if the yeah. sound doesn't fit, like, everything else can be amazing. It just won't be good. Key, key I just lesson like of it. advice I got from a, um audio lecture when I was back at uh, my other uni is that people will forgive you for bad visuals, but people do not forgive you for bad audio. Yeah. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. You could have the best visuals ever, if your audio is crap, don't even try making that film. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what I found really interesting about her is that it didn't include a grand symphony. It did not include very, like, experimental instrument. It just had very simple piano to tell a story. And I, I at the beginning, I, I was a bit confused. I, I didn't really, really connect with it because I was thinking, you know, Hollywood films, they need to have a good symphony. They have great violin stuff like that. But the more that I started re- watching the film, reading into like the between the lines of the dialogue, the piano was the only way you could tell this, because it's Theodore's story. He's by himself. Mm. You know what I mean? He's telling the story. He's telling his narrative, right? Yeah. You don't need a grand symphony to tell that. It was mm. a personal instrument to him. Yeah. And although we'd never seen like Theodore play the piano, it was something that was really strongly connected to his, what his character is. Light, mm. calm, ambient, but expressive. Yeah. That's what I found from it. Yeah. The piano by itself is like a very like 
you know, soft sounding instrument. Exactly. But it's capable a lot. It's very dynamic. Yeah. It, it can do a lot of things with it. And yeah. that's why I felt that, you know, whoever composed that piano piece deserves all the credit oh, that he, yeah. they deserve. Oh, man, it was so yeah. good. Yeah. And it also just adds to, like, the simplicity of the entire movie. It's There's nothing over the top. Exactly. Like, there's nothing that, like, you know, makes you external to yeah, the yeah. film. Like, there's nothing that, like, says, look at this, we're showing mm-hmm. you this. Mm-hmm. It just says, you know, whatever. This might be the future. This guy might be in love with, like, an AI. But at the end of the day, you know. I, I threw this into the hat with you. It's our world. I threw this into the hat for you, Proof. You said there was nothing too much. That was Everything was pretty good so far. What you say, right? Yeah. Give me one thing that you didn't like about the film. Oh, one thing I didn't like. I didn't like how quickly they just developed, like, a bond. Like, him and Samantha. Right, you don't like that. Because, like, it didn't make sense. Because, like, earlier, when he's, like, going through his emails or whatever, Mm. like, he's just interacting with it as if it's just, like, you know. Right. Like a Siri or Alexa or whatever have Mm -hmm. you. Sorry if this... Copyright. Copyright. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Copyright alert. (laughs) But, yeah, like, it's he's acting be like, yeah, next, delete, respond later. Mm -hmm. He's just using command words. So, like, his interaction with, uh, with like, anything that's robotic with verbal commands is, was very yeah straightforward, right? Like, if, it, if they had shown it developing over, like, a few days or, like, you know, if there were, like, little moments when, you know, like, later on when she's all like, I, I filed all these things, I deleted all this or whatever. If through that he realized that this isn't just another AI, but it's, like, something that can think for himself, that would have been better. But, like, right off the bat... She's just like, hey. And he's like, oh, hey. Like, but don't you, you know. think that like that was intentional? Don't you think that he seeked an AI to talk to? Because that's how he found it. He, I mean, it's... He, he, it was out of his own free will that he, he decided to talk to Samantha. And he was expecting something different from then talking to his normal computer. So in a way... And also, he was, he was isolated at the same time. So in a way, don't you think that he was emotionally ready to experience something that like that with an AI? No, no, I mean, like, I get that, and, like, it's definitely intentional, because, you know, like, you know, the computer's asking him all these things, like, you know, like, what do you think about your mother, etc., mm. all these things, and then, like, it curates something that is meant to, like, hook him, right? But I still think it was a bit too quick. Right. Like, compared to, like, what we had seen before. Like, right. there was, there was like, barely any hesitation. Right. He was just immediately grabbed. I think he was a bit hesitant at the beginning. Like, the way he was answering those questions. I okay. could see I could see what you mean that he was kind of getting into it, but I felt like he needed to step right into it to convince the audience that he was... He was, he was needed to be dependent on the technology. Yeah, yeah. Look, no, I get it. You know, it's like love at first sight. Yeah, exactly. All that thing. But from like a point of view, and like maybe it can be forgiven because the world is so advanced or whatever. But I don't know. Based on what we've seen before when it comes to like the fact that he views his relationship with like his, I don't know, previous OS or like the video games or whatever mm-hmm. very externally, I think it was a bit too soon. Mm, personally I see yeah that's that's really the only thing I didn't like fair enough yeah I think that's more of like a subjective 
thing, you know what I mean? Which yeah. is fine, you know what I mean? Like, all power to you. Yeah. I personally didn't like the montages. The montages? Okay. Yeah. Because, like, for me, that's lazy filmmaking. To me. That's okay. a very big... It's a very strong criticism. That It sounds like a strong criticism, but I'll, I'll justify it, hopefully. <laughs> but, yeah. um, for me, when I'm watching a film, I don't want... I don't want edited pieces of uh, a person looking out uh, like outside a building or them walking around stuff like that. When that montage was after when Samantha and him started to talk back again, and then he was walking around the city, that the kind of like the second end of the film. Do you remember? Uh, is this so? This is not like the madly in love montage. It's like. The one after? Yeah, one after. Like, they mm. were having... When they went like, through a rocky talking part. about the people. They went through a rocky part of the relationship and then they started talking again. This oh, is before... This yeah. is before he realises that he was talking to multiple people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, one thing I didn't like is that there was so much of voiceover narration with him talking to Samantha and then they were going travelling around the city. I would have liked to, ex- to have seen more... Um, interactions with just Samantha and him within his room because that's where the story began. I don't mm. think that them walking through a city really added much depth to him. You know what I mean? But uh, see, the way I saw it is like it's meant to be like a callback to the previous montage, and you meant to like compare the two and notice get, how things are different yeah, yeah. and how like it's not like things are bad, but it's more like things are never going to go back to like exactly the rosy honeymoon period. But I felt that if instead of them just going to random places around the city, maybe there would have been like a small goal. Like maybe Samantha was making him drive to like a specific location, like a sightseeing area. And then maybe they would have had a bit more backstory to it instead of him just walking around to random places. Because I didn't feel personally connected to those any of those locations that they went to. Right. If it was a romance... The one way I would have directed it is that they would have gone to a specific location that meant a lot to both of them. You know what I mean? Like a nice mm. restaurant or a sightseeing area or a, a maybe a particular, like an old house. Something something to add to Samantha's character. Right. But what I saw is that a man goes to metropolitan cities, seeing random buildings and looking at some random artifacts and then said... Fantastic, great montage, so emotional. You know what I mean? Mm. I didn't feel emotionally yeah. connected to it because there are f- so many films which uses montage, right, to piece together like some context. But to me, that's just lazy filmmaking. So it's not so much the montage, but like they didn't utilize setting. No, they right. didn't utilize setting. Yeah. Okay. Because you really, the montage was already done at the beginning of the film where he was walking around by himself going back to his apartment after work, right? Yeah. So we already yeah, yeah. know what the setting looks like. I don't need to see it again. Mm, okay. Alright. But then again, that's subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess you can make an argument that, you know, now that their relationship is rocky, they don't really mm. do those things anymore. Exactly, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, get, I get your criticism. It's a very Isn't small really? thing. It's very small. No, thing. no, fair enough. So is mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all of these things yeah. are small things. I mean, yeah. that's what film students do. They just pick up the yeah. most smallest shit that no one thinks about yeah. and then makes it into a big deal. <laughs> yeah. See, I I agree with you, but to me, it's not a big deal. <laughs> to me, I agree with you, but I don't give enough shits. I mean, to, give a sh- to me, to agree with you. 
That's just how it is, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, God. No, I do, I do see it. I yeah. do see it. And, yeah. Like, if they did do that thing mm. of, like, going back to, like, specific locations, that would have been a different film. Altogether. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, is not necessarily better or worse, but, yeah. I agree. Anyway, so, robot AI lady. All right, let's, let's say goodbye to her. Um, 100%. Nice knowing you, Samantha, but... <laughs> I'm going to go back to more human connection now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, although, like, how do you feel about the fact that so many people these days, instead of, like, actual, you know, physical human connection, rely on, like, social media? It's... Social media has been one of the most incredibly interesting ways humans have evolved to be, like, social animals. Mm. It's such a weird... Like, if you told a baby... Okay, if you... If you had a teenager, and you grew them up without any technology, they didn't know anything about it, and then you introduced it... Do you mean, like, any them, technology, or, like, without the internet? Just in general, like, social media, technology... Like, they would be stunned. Yeah. They would be really surprised. They would be really interested in that stuff. But social media has become one of those things where it has made a lot of people happy and a lot of people really sad too <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a um double-edged sword to be honest there's definitely another avenue for connection but it's made it's definitely made so many people like much more self-conscious a hundred percent yeah because it's such a very it's such a, like a curated you know version yeah of what yeah life is actually like no one's life is perfect you know what's no. depicted on social media no like, there's so much more that, obviously, you don't want to be permanently put on the internet. But, like, I think also, like, social media has also helped a lot of causes, too. Like, mm-hmm. environmentalism, making people more um, aware about, like, other social issues, like homelessness. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement. That was really pushed through social media. That was a big, big thing as well. So, it has it has this, um, it has those, uh points of change and power yeah and definitely but, like much more global than it used to be yeah it, it, it in a way it makes us more i want to say human but you get to see more diversity of people as well yeah like yeah. different cultures different genders different religions all that type of stuff and i think that's great because like with social media i can i can see people within asian countries i can see within european countries you wouldn't have mm-hmm. that if you know watching a documentary about a different country or news is just not the same social media is much more personal it yeah. makes us all feel a bit more human you know in a way yeah like when you watch like you know movies in the 80s when there's like that one nerdy kid in the class yeah and, like everyone picks on him and he's all like oh no i'm so lonely mm-hmm. but like today if you like nerdy you like you just go online and you can just like find a community yeah you can always find a community in social media yeah. that's that's the insane like, part no matter who you are it's so funny because social media can make you so incredibly lonely with fomo mm. like feel missing out and you know making you feel like you're not worth it especially with like some people with their physical appearance like yeah. they feel like there are a lot of like that comparison but at the same time you can find a community for yourself like there's some there's some pretty strange communities out there, like yeah. granted, but yeah. you can definitely find your own gang there. Do you keep like separate 
accounts because I've got like a separate account. For, yeah, I do. Like personal stuff, um, photography and poetry. But like, I don't know. Do, do you have separate accounts? I do. I have two. Oh, I have yeah, my yeah. public account and private account. But here's the thing, right? I use Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Reddit, um, Pinterest, mm-hmm. YouTube. I don't know if YouTube social. YouTube social media, right? I see it as social. Yeah, so it's yeah, social yeah. media. LinkedIn as well. So I just like depending use, on how you use it. Yeah, I use a bunch of social medias. Nice. So although I only have like two accounts on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I use a whole lot of different types of social medias because like sometimes I'm in the mood for work. Sometimes I'm in the mood to see a nice cool camera rig on Pinterest. Yeah. Maybe on Instagram to see my friends, you know, kind mm. of that thing. Nice, yeah. But it's really interesting how people have that, like, public profile, which is very professional and very, you know, all about that perfect life and stuff like that. And then that private, more more personal account that's been more like... Actual life. Yeah, actual life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Some people like that. Is that what you have? Oh, that's mostly my personal account. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. like yeah, but yeah. Do you think it's helped you having like a professional account? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. I've had a few people who referenced me through my prof- professional accounts on LinkedIn and Instagram and my website. Um, yeah. The only people, the only reason why people can reach me through my website is because of my other social medias. That's so interesting. So it's, it's helped me very. It's helped me really, really well professionally, mm. and. Um, Here's the thing, social media can make you look more professional than you actually are in real life. Think about that for two seconds. Yeah. If you're very good at marketing, then you can really make a perception for the average consumer that you're very good at what you do. Yeah. Spoiler, like, disclaimer, uh, I, I'm not, like, shit at my work. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm decent. I'm not, like, professional professional, but, like, I'm not, like, scamming people. Yeah. Yes, paying yeah, yeah. Them, making them pay, like, $700 yeah. for my fees and I provide them a blurry photo down there. I mean, like, look, I will say, I assume you'd have to be because your marketing's shit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll prove I get more pay clients. Yeah, I'm just kidding, brother. I'm no, I'm kidding. sure you do. I'm sure you do. But I just find that interesting how, like, social media has also become like a business fee. It has, yeah. Like you don't give like people like your card or like your number anymore. No, no, no. You give like an at and then like your yep. handle. Yep. yep. You know? And I don't know. I think that's just so interesting because again, that gives you like another version of yourself. Yeah. You can like tell people, hey, this is who I am. And you, it can give the appearance that like that's the entirety of who you are. Exactly. Yeah. Which I guess is what you're talking about. Like making, yeah. like people making themselves more professional than they might be. Yeah, yeah. Like, more... I guess, by professional, do you mean, like, like, ethical? Not really ethical, but, like, especially for an average Like, work consumer. ethic, do you mean? Well, ethic, yeah, no, in a sense, yeah. Because you can time your posts. Yeah. So, like, you could be on a production for, like, one day. Mm-hmm. But then you can split up those posts into, like, ten different posts. Yeah. On, like, ten different weeks. So, it makes you look like you're always on production. Oh, true. true that's, true. like, that could... That's a strategy that some people use. Yeah. Um, but it's also, like, if you show, like... Okay, so, like, for an average consumer, if you're, like, a wedding photographer, for example, mm-hmm. and you show the nice gear, you show the beautiful dresses. Yeah. You show, like, your smile, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That That drives people crazy to make you hire you. But if you're a wedding photographer, you just does really good work it's really hard for you to sell yourself now because you've got to sell yourself as a person now. Yeah. That's the biggest problem yeah. with social media because now being a, f- any creative is so, 
it, it's like it's so much more competitive now because yeah. you're not just selling your art you're selling yourself now mm. you're selling your personality i know people who do sometimes less quality work than other professionals yet the only reason why people hire them is because they have a good right to them yeah and they're a fun person to be with i mean i feel like that's always been the case yeah like i feel but like social media like, make it make it much more accessible to people i think there's people. a lot more like yeah, there's definitely a lot more... It's much more clearer. Expectation. 100%, yeah. That, like, your social media profile or whatever is going to be an indication of who you are. But I think people would always... People have always wanted to work with people that are mm. fun or, yeah, you yeah. know, like, cohesive to work with. But social media has really helped me because, like, I can show off what I've been doing and my, my productions that I've been working on, the people yeah. I've been working with. When you post on social media, especially like people you work with, mm. it creates this perception that you're very friendly, that you're a good team worker, you're very studious, you have gathered support from your own people. That's really important, and that's how I, you know, I really utilize social media to really push that agenda. What's your agenda? <laughs> My agenda is that I want to create a perception that I am an ethical worker. That okay, yeah, I yeah. want to do good for people because, especially these days, a lot of companies and a lot of individuals do things unethically. Like we had the Weinstein case, for example. That was embarrassing for this industry. I never want to see that again, where hundreds of women were sexually assaulted by Weinstein and no one wanted to speak up to it. Mm. Now, power to those women for talking about it. That was fantastic. Yeah. That yeah. was really good. Yeah. If I'm able to create a social media inf- like influence that pushes for more ethical management on set, mm. And people keep me accountable to it, which people do, then that's when I feel like I've done my job. Because on my sets especially, I make sure that my my, my crew's fed well, like they have great mental health on set. They, um, you know, they can get to locations without spending too much money or getting out of their way. Having that push through social media to encourage others to do the same as me. Mm-hmm. Because I know some filmmakers... Not personally, but I know some filmmakers who treat their crew like absolute shit. Yeah. And I do not want that at all. No, I think, yeah, the accountability especially is, like, an important point. Because back in the day, like, before... Because the Me Too movement, you know, like, a lot of traction that it got was through social media. Yeah. It was just really... the internet. It was insane, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, back in the day, what happened on set often, like, stayed Stayed on on set. Like, people... Even, like, cameras on phones is, like, a very... Even oh. phones themselves are, like, a very recent thing. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. a personal phone. So, like, yeah, like, people like Weinstein, like, in the 80s, maybe they could get away with it. But now, obviously, like, unfortunately, you have, like, people that do still get away with it because women and other groups don't feel like they have the same platform yeah. or for whatever reason. Yeah. But I like to think that, yeah, there is more accountability yeah no, 100% yeah yeah mm. yeah social media is a blank canvas you can make whatever it is that you want it to be yeah but the your the the if you mess up the backlash is very serious mm. so you have to be careful it's what you high say. risk <laughs> it's high risk yeah and yeah. you may have very good intention behind what you post yeah. but be careful because mm. it can need you in the backside very closely if you're not very careful what you yeah. say and it's so public as well so you really have to like either take no sides at all or like take a side and just stick with whatever it. you post on the internet stays on the internet yeah. that's the rule I mean you can't delete stuff 
You can delete but stuff. Kanye. But how <laughs> oh yeah, but people still screenshot his exactly. stuff and exactly. you know, people still yeah. save it. Yeah. When it comes to film, what I guess, what's the impact you want? Whether it's in terms of the films you want to make, what you want to establish, your relationship. Because for you, after this is dream come true, right? Dream come true. Yeah. So, I guess what's the um, what's the dream? Look, if like every single year changes, but the main thing that I have always wanted to do when I was very young is that I wanted to create a positive impact within people. That's the main thing, and it sounds very ambiguous, but yeah, what the hell? Is wrong? <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> but like, I grew up pretty privileged. Like, I live in a Western country. Um, my parents, you know, are able to put food on the table. I live in a relatively comfortable house. I've got everything that I need. But when I was younger and I saw people living in poverty, in slums, homeless people, I it hit me hard when I was quite young because I was thinking, how do people survive like this? How do people live like this? Like this is like, this is this was heartbreaking to me mm. when I was very young. Yeah. So when I discovered filmmaking and it showed people who were very disadvantaged but having a great story at the end where they kind of redeemed themselves, that was very emotional for me. Because you could see people also changing their perspective for people who are less privileged, who are less um, gifted in what they have. And in a sense that I also want to portray my love and generosity for people who are less privileged on screen as well as off screen. Mm -hmm. I want to provide people opportunities if they're you know, if they're struggling. I want to provide people the the feeling of that they want to, that, that they belong in this world. That's mm. what I want. And throughout my sets, I, I've made mistakes. Like, I definitely would have done better in many, many areas. But I feel that the fact that these days that I have, you know, not, as, not for tokenism, but genuinely because they were good, I was able to increase female representation in my crew. You know, I was able to write stories about like domestic violence and environmentalism and just being able to just provide people opportunity that they wouldn't have. That's something that's really satisfying. And if I continue to provide the ethical management, but as well as provide people a positive experience, and I think I would have done my job right. At the end of my career, at the end of my career, I would have liked to seen more diversity on my film sets or any film set across the world and to help fix homelessness that's mm. my main issue because my parents or my gender my my ancestors came from a very very poor fishing island within um china so right. we've gone a long way since then right i yeah. could still be a farm boy if my ancestor didn't fled china during world war ii yeah. so it's kind of me going back to my roots and helping who my ancestors were generations back it's kind of like coming full circle <laughs> yeah how do you feel about the fact that at the end of the day film is an industry and the bottom line is always going to be money well here's the thing i do not want to be poor with industry i think that i think the dying artist's life for me is not really something that speaks to me like, I definitely want to have a nice home. I want to build a nice... I want to be able to provide for my, my family and stuff like that, right? But I think that if you had a great story and you are able to portray it in a way that's profitable, you've hit two birds with one stone. Would you rather make 
lots of money that people can get fed. Like a lot of crew can have jobs mm-hmm. and provide money for the next project you can have yeah. and have a great story. Or would you rather make a great piece of art, mm. but your crew will not be hired again. Uh, your actors may not have another job or another job for a while and they can't pay their bills. Yeah. For me, profit's a good thing. So would you be okay to do like ads or, I don't know, like just mindless celebrity TV shows or vapid films in order to get to the point where you could do the projects you're really invested in? In a way, yeah, I would. Hmm. Because here's the thing, right? If I was not doing those things, first of all, the, it's a bit... Okay, although you may be making mindless TV, it doesn't mean that you're mindless on set. You're still making connections on those sets. You're still making friends. You're still learning about stuff. There's, there's always things to learn from even mindless TV that you're making about gear, about locations, producing, um, productions, like everything. There's always something to learn, right? And the fact that people are, are still have a job is important to me. Mm. That's the most important part. Because here's the thing. Imagine if you're working on mindless TV and someone with, like, let's just say a cinematographer on your set was reaching to its peak, but it wasn't there yet. But it still needed that money to keep them running and to keep polishing their craft. You need to keep on funding that person and continuing and helping them like subsidize their journey before they get there. If they couldn't afford rent and you couldn't give them a job, you may have just lost out on someone who's very talented. So that's why I don't mind doing things that are profitable but are mindless because at the end of the day, someone needs to watch it, someone's going to be happy and at least someone has a job. But what if like, I don't know, it's a show or film or whatever that conflicts with your own personal beliefs? In what way, Apu? What type of personal beliefs? I don't know, say if it's like, you know, a show that like further demonizes like migrants or whatever, or like some sort of like news report that over criminalizes indigenous people, things like that. I wouldn't do it. Okay. That's that's my balance. Yeah. Everything in life of proof is about balance, right? And although I would produce mindless TV films if it gets me employed, I wouldn't put myself in a position where I break my, my values as a person. Mm. At the end of the day, as a filmmaker, I'm responsible for what I produce, right? I'm responsible for what people see because people can be easily twisted with like things they see on screen and yeah. forget that screen, right? Yeah. So if it's about things that, you know, undermines our indigenous communities, or if they misrepresent something, then I wouldn't participate in it. Hmm. That's my balance, yeah. yeah. But do you get do you understand what I mean? No, like, yeah. No, it's I get about what I mean. that. Although I, I am in I'm in support for things that like could be mundane in the industry, but keep keep you hired, doesn't mean that I will break on my ethical values. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. That was hoping you would say. <laughs> yeah, actually, we should just we should just like completely like. You know, misrepresent every community, every minor <laughs> community in Australia. Yeah, exactly. Because that's yeah. yeah. How about what if there was? You know how earlier you were talking about, like, say for example, there's an emerging cinematographer, right? Mm. And they just need to get through this whatever cash grab TV show it is. Yeah. In order to advance to the next stage of their career, where can they make, they can make mm-hmm. more? Yeah, yeah. Meaningful or fulfilling yep. or yep. whatever work. Yeah. 
if you were working with someone who was like, you know, inappropriate or problematic or whatever, but it was more so that they didn't really know better or like, you know, they weren't mature enough or whatever. Would you cease working with them? Would you like see if you can change their mind or would you just wait until you got news that they had reformed or whatever and then work with them? I think this goes to the concept of people can change, right? But more so like, not just if people can change, but would you want to risk like trying to change them, waiting for them to change or would you just not work with them altogether? Is it my problem? It can be. Say if you're, like, working with, I don't know, like, an actor who's making passes at women on set or whatever. You know, would you, like, try and no. figure something out? No. If if they're doing especially anything that's racist, sexist, homophobic, anything like that, not acceptable. They're walking, ass- they're walking liability at that point. Hmm. And I don't think that people will change their beliefs in that. And to be honest, especially living in this century... Mm-hmm. It should be standard that you're not racist, sexist, or homophobic. I think that's just bottom line there. Yeah. Now, if it was something different, like if a cinematographer that I worked with that I really respect started becoming an alcoholic, or another person started suffering drug abuse, which does happen, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, as well as hospitality, because I also work hospitality as yeah, some chefs go into some deep, deep holes. At the end of the day, I need to look after myself. And if they're not willing to get seek help, themselves or seek help from other people then i mean only god can decide your fate you know what i mean yeah because like i like to think that there are resources and help in the industry now i mean at afters we get a lot of it you know like we get a lot of like counseling and access to like other mental health services and all of our teachers are very understanding of our own circumstances I guess I hope that there's room for that in the industry now as well. Because while there is all this awareness to do with, you know, like Black Lives Matter, Me Too, etc. I feel like there should also be more provisions in the industry when it comes to like people going through, you know, tough times, like Mm. you said, with alcoholism or substance abuse or just, you know... Yeah, I think these these are serious issues. Um, but I don't think I have the capabilities to help them. That's what I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah, Like, I don't have the resources to provide them the advice because I'm still trying to figure out my own problems as well. Yeah. So for me to come up to someone and then try to help them with their problems, I could be there to listen for them and to help just have someone to talk to. But in terms of, like, providing them actual clinical advice, I couldn't do that. mm but I think I think that's not just a problem in this in the film industry. I think that's just a problem in all workplaces, and we have met, we've had we have had like strategies to combat um, people who are suffering a lot of mental um, uh, mental health problems. But obviously, it would never be perfect. But if as long as we're making that change and pushing forward those um, those changes in our society, then we can get well, we can we can achieve progress. Mm, yeah. I think it can be done. It can be done, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just a very interesting time we live in. 
It is a very interesting time, yeah. Because these days, people have more access to media than ever. And it can, yeah, both hurt and harm them. Mm. But I guess, yeah, we'll find out how it evolves. Mm. Yeah. I agree. As long as I'm able to help people in the industry, both financially, but also with their creative visions and their ambitions and stuff like that, then, um, you know, I'm all for it. Do you think you've done a lot of that already? People say I have, but I don't feel the impact yet. Hmm. It might be a while before you do. It might be a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm still 19. Yeah. I'm only 19 years old. I haven't done much, to be honest, Yeah. compared to someone who's like 30, 40 years in experience. But for the resources I've had so far and with the amount of information and like competency I have, I've, I've pushed myself quite a bit and I've done some things I would have ex- never expected myself to do, but always things to improve on and always things to grow on. Mm, yeah. I think you should be proud. Thanks, man. I, I, I try to be proud of myself, but I always, yeah, it's always like, I always look at the bad stuff that I've done, like the mistakes or the things I could have done better, but not looking at the things I had done well. But that's a very humanistic kind of quality. Yeah. Everyone goes through that, so I guess. And we want to learn, you know. Like, that's why we think about those things, because we want, to learn, we want to learn from them. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? Thanks for thanks for your time. It's been a good chat, as friends as well. Um, yeah, I think that whatever I, whatever I achieve in this industry, at least I took the faith to actually step in to begin with. Yeah. That's the yeah. biggest hurdle, because I could have done anything else, but I chose this career, and it's a big gamble for me, but I'm proud that I have the courage to do that. I think not just getting into the industry but like persevering I think you've done that as well thank you and you know that's difficult as well so I wish you the best thanks Puff alright thank you no worries thank you so much